God is good? All the time? All the time? God is good. Amen. Amen. I am happy to be here, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back in Toronto after, I think, uh, some uh, 12 months of absence. It's good to be in Toronto, and uh, it's good to have you all come to ECYC. So on behalf of the ECYC, I want to really extend a cordial welcome to each and every one of you and say that we are truly excited to have you with us this evening and throughout this weekend. You know, in every generation, in every generation across history, God always calls young people throughout history. He always extends this call for young people. He calls for a young people who are committed, young people who are dedicated, young people who yearn to do ordinary things and to do them extraordinarily well. God always extends this call. Think of Abel. As young as he was, Abel chose to die rather than offend God. Think of Joseph, who arrived in Egypt in his late teens. God always extends this call for young people. Think of Samuel, who was a child, but God extended that call to him. Think of the young slave girl in Naaman's court, and God extended that call to her. Young people, throughout history, we see God extending this call to young people. We see God calling Jeremiah. The call of God. God calling you and I for such a time as this. It is no coincidence that ECYC exists. Think of Daniel and his friends in Babylon. They were young. They were young people like you and I. They were in college. Some of them, like, uh, like Joseph, arrived in Egypt while he was probably finishing his high school. God extending this call to young people. Think of Timothy, whom Paul charged with, with the sacred trust of taking the gospel to the entire world, to the entire known world. Think of those, that church. That trust that Paul entrusted to Timothy as a young person. Take this gospel. Preach the word in season and out of season. Think of those responsibilities. Timothy was young also. Think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Think of the solemn responsibility of carrying Jesus. God. You ever thought about that? The responsibility that were laid upon Mary to carry Jesus, to nurture Jesus. She was young, she was virgin, she was a young person. The responsibility laid upon young people. The call of God, this solemn responsibility that God, this call of God that rings throughout history. Think about the youth of Waldenses who paved the way for the 16th century reformation. These were young people like you and I. Think of these young people. Think of the Wesley brothers who, in their 20s, established the Holy Club at Oxford. John Wesley would later on uh, be the founder of Methodists. These were young people like you and I. The Wesleys were at Oxford. They were in their 20s when they established that. Think of our pioneers who laid the doctrinal foundations of our church, who studied until they laid the foundations of our church. There are young people like you and I. So we see that across history, across the span of history, God always extends his call to young people, to you and I, to help finish the work. So it is no coincidence that you and I are here this weekend for such a time as this. It is no coincidence that you drove, no matter where you came from this evening, that you are here this weekend. 
This call is extended to you and I to finish the work of God. This call is not exceptional for this time. For we see that throughout history, God extends this call. So this is the reason also that ECYC exists. Exists to respond to this call. To this call for such a time as this. So that as a young person, when you leave this conference, you didn't just attend a conference in Toronto, but you carry the spirit of being empowered to reach and reach friends across where you are, in your fields of study, at work, so that this spirit of being empowered, this call of God that, th- that rings throughout history, that all also, you may carry it with you. Amen? This is the call of God. This is what it means to be empowered. This call of God, as God calls each one, each one of us, God also empowers us to finish his work. Amen? God also empowers us to carry forward this work. So throughout history, we see God calling young people. So it is no coincidence that this, this weekend, our theme is entitled Empowered, because we want to finish this work. Amen? Because we want to be like Christ and finish this work. It is no coincidence that our theme is empowered. Amen? Amen. The prerequisite of empowerment, the prerequisite, the prerequisite to be empowered, the prerequisite to be empowered. What is it to be empowered? What does it mean to be empowered? Our message this evening is entirely the prerequisite to empowerment. It is very simple and straightforward. It can be summed up in these following words. Believe and you shall receive power. Believe and you shall receive power. You know, in all scripture, as you study all scripture, nowhere in scripture, the the Bible discusses more about the work, the person, and the deity of the Holy Spirit than in John. The chapters between chapters 14 to chapters 16, we'll spend much of our time there. That's where we find that the Bible discusses at length about the work, the person, and the deity of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I should mention that the book of John is unique from all other synoptic gospels. That is Mark, Luke, and Matthew. The book of John is different. You find that the book of John does not mention anything about the, Christ, about the baptism of Christ. The book of John mentions nothing about his transfiguration. The book of John makes nothing, mentions nothing about the experience of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. The book of John also has only one parable. It is unique. The book of John also is the only book that mentions the miracles, the few miracles of Jesus Christ, like the miracles of turning water into wine, the book of John. The book of John also is the only book that mentions of the healing of the paralytic, paralytic man at the, at the pool of Bethesda. The book of John is also the only book that mentions about the healing of the man born blind. The book of John is also the only book that mentions about the resurrection of Lazarus. The book of John is unique. The entire corpus of John is concerned with the divinity of Christ. And so John writes his book, interestingly, John writes his book so that you and I might believe. We find this in John chapter 20, where John says, I have written all this that so you and I might believe, so that all of us might believe. So this evening, I want to share with you only one point, that the prerequisite to be empowered is to believe. 
the prerequisite to be empowered, for you and I to be empowered, to live godly life, to carry forward the gospel, is only to believe. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. John chapter 14, verse 12. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth, he that believeth, Notice how Jesus starts, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Because I go where? Unto my Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter this study, we implore your Spirit to be with us. Speak to our hearts speak to our minds, that truly we may leave this place empowered. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he also shall do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Before any of us do any work, Christ places a condition. Before you do any of this work, you must believe. Before you and I must do any of this work, we must believe. It is interesting how John uses this word, believe, pistio, to believe or to trust. You know, John uses this word 98 times in the book of John. 98 times. Compared to the book of Matthew, Matthew uses it only 10 times. Mark uses it 17 times, and Luke uses it only 11 times. But John uses it 98 times. So if you want to study the book of John, look how John uses this word, pistio, this word, believe. And so Jesus begins to say, before you do any work, you and I must believe. You and I must believe. The condition for empowerment is to believe. The condition for receiving the Holy Spirit is to believe. I'm not saying that it's just a passive belief. It, is, it also includes an active belief. Amen? It also includes an active belief. I don't just sit and believe and expect God to do something. I must also do something. Amen? If that's clear, say amen. Amen. It is the heart that believes in the power of prayer that prays. Amen? It is the heart that believes in the power of prayer. You cannot pray unless you believe the power of prayer. Amen? This weekend, Martin will be discussing about prayer. So unless I believe in the power of prayer, perhaps I don't even pray. But it is the heart that believes in the power of prayer that prays. It is the heart that believes in the grace and the mercy of God that trembles seeking the forgiveness of God. It is the heart that believes that fully that the word of the Bible, that the Bible is the word of God. Not that the Bible just contains the word of God, but actually that the Bible is the word of God. Amen? That the Bible does not just contain the word of God, but actually the Bible is the word of God. Amen? It is the heart that believes. It is the heart that believes that Jesus is coming again. It is that heart that puts forth all the energy to reach our friends, to reach those who are unreached. It is the heart that must believe that Jesus is coming again. The signs are telling us, therefore, I must reach out to my coworker. Therefore, I must reach out to what? To my neighbor, to my classmate, because I believe that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Do you realize how belief is a prerequisite to do anything for Christ? But I must believe. 
I must believe. It is the heart that believes that is empowered. It is the heart that believes that is empowered. As Jesus says, he that believes on me, verse 12, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. But before I do them, I must believe on Jesus Christ. Amen? I must believe on Jesus Christ. And it is interesting how John uses this, this word believe. And he uses seven miracles in the book of John to justify why you and I must believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? How John uses this word believe. And he uses seven miracles so that you and I might believe. Let's briefly look at these seven miracles. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. As we look at these seven miracles, some of them will skip, will skip them for the sake of time. John chapter 2. If you're there, say amen. John chapter 2. And I'll just read one verse. It is in verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. When Jesus turned water into wine, the Bible says the disciples looked at it and they believed on Christ. Because they saw the power of Christ to change nature. Amen? Because they saw the power of God to change nature. The Bible says they saw this and they believed. They saw this and they believed. Remember, the prerequisite to be empowered is to believe. The disciples saw the works of Christ. The Bible says they believe. Turn your Bibles to, Gen to John chapter 4. As we continue to look at these miracles, as John highlights why we must, be be why we must believe before we are empowered. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we are reading from verse 46. John chapter 4 verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him, and he would, be, and he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Notice verse 48. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Notice what Jesus says, except you see signs, except you see the powers, you, you see my powers, you won't believe. In other words, Christ places the condition to be saved in your heart and my heart. Christ places the condition to be empowered in the, within the integrity of your heart and my heart. Within your heart and my heart. It is not the absence of evidence or the presence of evidence, but rather it is within my own heart. And Jesus looked at, looks at this nobleman and says, you won't believe unless you see a miracle. And many of us sitting here, unless we see miracles, unless we see hundreds perhaps baptized, unless we see something, we won't believe that Jesus is coming soon. We won't believe that I must reach out to my neighbor. We won't believe that the condition to be empowered is that I must believe. And so Jesus looks at this nobleman and says, it is within your heart that you choose to believe me or not. It is within your heart today that you choose to embrace the message you hear this weekend or not. Within our own hearts. It is within the integrity of our own hearts that we are saved. So I ask you this evening, what is holding you back? 
What is holding you back from embracing this gospel, from embracing this Jesus Christ that John is painting for us? Jesus looks at the nobleman and says, it is within your heart that you choose me or not. So I ask you this evening, have you chosen already? Have you chosen before you came here to follow Christ all the way? Have you chosen that within your heart, for no matter how many messages we preach, unless your heart believes, it is a waste of time. It is a waste of time. So I ask you today, what else should we do in order for you and I to believe? What else can be done for you and I to believe? How many more sermons do we need to hear to be convinced? How many more sermons? How many more Bible studies do we need in order to believe? What else is needed to, 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 to believe that the Adventist church is the prophetic fulfillment of Revelation 10? How many more sermons? How many more sermons do we need to believe that, that indeed the Adventist church is the remnant church of Revelation 12? How many more sermons, how many evidence do we need to know that actually the U.S. will be a key player in the end times? That's Revelation 13. How many more messages, how many more Bible studies we can do this evening to, to believe that actually that our mission is Revelation 14? How many more sermons? How many more? It is within the integrity of my heart and your heart that we decide this. For over and over we've heard these things, but unless we believe, Jesus says, it is within your heart. Except ye see signs, except we see other tsunami, except we see other earthquake, except we see another hurricane, then we shall believe. Is that what we are waiting for? So Jesus looks at this man and says, it is within your heart that you have chosen to believe me or not. It is within your heart. Thankfully, look at verse 50. Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy son liveth. Go thy way, thy son liveth. In other words, this nobleman looked at Jesus and said, you got me. It is within my heart. And so this evening, the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit is, is hovering over us, as the Holy Spirit is begging to enter our hearts, it is within our hearts that we choose to embrace this message or to reject it. It is within our hearts, as John 12, 14 reminds us, it is within our hearts that we also believe to be empowered, that we also receive the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus looks at you and I and says, what is holding you back from believing? What is holding you back from starting a small group in your church or in your home? What is holding you back from taking over your school, your work, whatever you're doing? What is holding you back? It is within my own heart. So what is the condition of my heart? What is the condition of your heart? That's the question. As Jesus looks at all of us, as Jesus looks at this nobleman, he says, what else can he do for you and I to believe? What else can be done for you and I to believe? Thankfully, this nobleman, verse 50, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. The man believed, and he went his way. Without any sign, without anything, but he believed. Because he recognized that Jesus is indeed God, that he could look within the intents of our hearts. The intents of our hearts. So why are you here this evening? Why did you drive all the way? Why did you fly all the way to be here? 
What is the intent of my heart? What is the intent of your heart and my heart to be here this evening? Is it to be truly empowered? But if I must be empowered, I must believe. Amen? If I must be empowered, I must believe. Unless I'm waiting for a sign like this nobleman. Thankfully, this nobleman recognizes the creative power in the word of God. That God is the one who spoke things into existence. Amen? That God is the one who commands and things stands by. Amen? This nobleman recognizes that. So why does it that you and I cannot take the word of God as it truly says? That we take the word of God. If Jesus said it, that if I must believe, and then I must be empowered. Then my condition, the condition is only my heart. That I must wrestle with God so that I must believe. Help me, God. Help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me, God. Help my unbelief. How many more Bible studies do we need in order to believe? Thankfully, this nobleman walks away believing in the very word of God. The creative power of God. The very word that will sustain him. The very word that will judge us. This nobleman recognizes this creative power of the word of God. You know, you read John chapter 5. We see Jesus healing this man at the pool. You read John chapter 6. We see Jesus feeding the 5,000. Notice, notice John's argument. John uses these miracles, but he, in these miracles, he uses this word believe. You see Jesus turning water into wine. Will you not believe? You see Jesus feeding the, the 5,000. Will you not believe? You see this, this nobleman, and John is asking the same question. Will you not believe that you may be empowered? John 6 Jesus feeds the 5,000. 5, John 9, we see Jesus healing this man, this man born blind. We see him. He is how the Bible says. Look at verse 30. And, and this man said, And he spake these words. Many believed on him. Then, Jesus, then Je they said Jesus to these Jews, which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then ye are my, my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the, tru the truth shall set you free. Sorry, that's verse 8. That's chapter 8. Verse 35. It's chapter 9, verse 35. John chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. When he, had, when he had found him, he said unto him, Does thou believe on the Son of God? Notice the man's response. He answered and said, Whom is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? Whom is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? Notice again that Jesus, that John is using the same word, believe, 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 believe on this Jesus Christ, that you and I may be empowered indeed to do greater things and see Christ in our lifetime. Believe. He turns, Jesus turns water into wine. Jesus heals this man, this blind man. Jesus, Jesus feeds the 5,000. How much more evidence do we need in order to believe? How much more evidence, how many more evidence do you need in your life in order to believe? We see in John chapter 11, Jesus also raising Lazarus. 
verse 40. John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. If thou believest, thou shalt see the glory of God. If you and I believe, we shall see the power of God manifested in our lives. Not only in our lives, but also in everything we do. And so here we see this, this John, as John pictures, paints the picture for you and I, that we must believe on this Jesus Christ. Not only is he because he is the source of our empowerment, but also this Jesus is the one that is performing all these miracles. This Jesus is indeed the Son of God. This Jesus indeed is God. He is the one that empowers us. Before we can receive the Holy Spirit, we must believe. But we don't believe. So the question becomes, why don't I believe? The question is my heart. The question is my heart. Why don't I believe? Jesus looks at the nobleman and says, except ye see sign, you won't believe. He looks at this blind man, do you now believe? The blind man says, I now believe, I've seen the Son of God. Many of us have eyes, but yet we cannot see. We have the eyes, but we cannot see. We see all these signs that are happening around us, but yet we want more sermons, we want more conferences, we want more events. And you ask yourself, why haven't I believed these things yet? Why haven't I believed these things yet? You know, let's turn to John chapter 14 again to look at this thing. John chapter 14. The Bible says, we read this verse, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Notice verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, provided you and I believe, whatsoever we shall ask in his name, he shall do in the name of the Father, so that the Father may be glorified. Verse 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I shall do it, provided that you and I believe. Amen? Provided that you and I believe. Whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, he shall do it, provided that we believe. The condition, the prerequisite to be empowered, that we may believe. Notice verse 16. And for those who believe, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Another comforter. The same word I use, the same kind, one like God himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself. And Jesus says, I shall send you another comforter, another person like me. The Holy Spirit shall be with you because you believe. The prerequisite to be empowered. That if I believe that God the Father, God the Son, shall send the Holy Spirit to empower me. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And he he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But ye know him, for he dwells in you. But ye know him, for he dwells with you, and shall be in you. Notice the change in the preposition. The Holy Spirit shall be with you. But notice the change. The The Holy Spirit shall be in you. The Holy Spirit shall be with you, but not the Holy Spirit shall be in you, provided that you and I believe. That the Holy Spirit shall be in me. The reality of God dwelling in me. The reality of God dwelling in me. 
The chief purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. When he comes, he empowers us. When the Holy Spirit dwells in me, he transforms me into the likeness of Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit dwells in me, he transforms me in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because his chief purpose is to what? To transform me, to glorify Jesus Christ in me. The chief purpose of the Holy Spirit. When he dwells in me, he transforms me into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He teaches me all things, as John 14 says. He brings, he brings all things to remembrance, John 14. He convicts me of sin. He gives me complete victory over sin. Amen? He gives me complete victory over sin. Someone should be saying amen. amen. The Holy Spirit, when he dwells in me, gives me complete victory over sin. That's Romans 8.13. We exhibit, exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit, not only does he dwell with me, but he dwells also in me. Provided I believe. Amen? Provided I believe. So if I believe the Holy Spirit, if I believe, not only do I ask for the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is willing and able to give the Holy Spirit. Amen? He's willing and anxious to give me the Holy Spirit that I may overcome my sins. Amen? That I may be transformed into his likeness. The basis of empowerment. And once a life is transformed in, into the likeness of Christ, the sky is the limit what it can do. Once you are transformed, once I'm transformed into the likeness of Jesus, anything can be done. Amen? And that's why Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do these works and even greater works. Because the Holy Spirit, you believe and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he dwells in me. And he transforms our lives. He gives us victory over sin. He convicts us of all our sins in our life. He guides us into all truth. He sanctifies us, as some other, other version says. He sanctifies us. He makes us like Christ, into the likeness of Christ. And thus we are enabled, we are empowered to do the works of God. To finish this work. And some of you uh, have wondered, and I myself have wondered, how are we going to finish this work? There are seven billions in this world. How are we going to finish this work? But the reality of the Holy Spirit dwelling in one of us, in each one of us, the transformed power of a person, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the reality of God dwelling in us, it is our only hope to finish this work. Amen? It is our only hope to finish this work when the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives. Ellen White uh, rightly reminds us that as the disciples, this is uh, in Acts of Apostles, the, uh, the chapter Pentecost. As disciples waited for the fulfillment of the promise, they humbled their hearts in true repentance and confess, confessed their unbelief. As the disciples waited for the fulfillment of the promise, they humbled their hearts in true repentance and conf confessed their unbelief. They confessed their unbelief. They recognized they didn't believe. Do you believe tonight? As they waited for the Holy Spirit, as you sit here, as you have come to be empowered, do you believe? This is in the chapter Pentecost, as they waited in the upper room, praying, agonizing, they confessed their unbelief. If we are to be empowered, we must believe. We must confess our unbelief. Why, why we must believe? Permit me to tie these points together. As John paints this picture, why we must believe? Because he says, in Christ was life. 
We must believe because in Christ was life, and he is the source of life, and this life is the light of men. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, the serpent in the wilderness, even so shall Jesus be lifted up. So whosoever believeth on Jesus shall have eternal life. Why shall we believe? Why must we believe? As John 16, 3, 16 is very famous for this, whoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. Believeth. The source of empowerment that we must believe. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son believeth on him, that he may have eternal life. John 6, verse 40. So John uses this very word, believe, and you shall be empowered. Do we believe? Do we believe? This is my only point I want to drive home. Do we believe? This is the basis of empowerment. The basis of the Holy Spirit transforming us. The entire book of John was written that so you and I might, be believe, might believe. In the same book of John, John discusses the power, the work, the nature of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, he transforms us. He convicts us of sin. He convicts us of righteousness. He guides us into all truth. But unless we believe, we can never receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's something that happens when you believe. There's something that happens when you believe. And the story is told of the man called Telemachus. How many have heard of the man called Telemachus? Telemachus was traveling to Rome. And as he arrived in Rome, people were watching the games in the Colosseums. And everybody was so excited. The gladiators were killing each other. The blood was everywhere. And as this monk, Telemachus, walked into the Colosseum, he heard the noises, everybody yelling, the killing, the blood. You know, every, everything was red. And as he walked into that Colosseum, he made sure that he found a spot where everyone can listen to him. Telemachus walked on that spot. And as he watched blood being spilled everywhere. He cried out, in the name of Jesus, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. The power of believing. In the name of Jesus, stop. From that day on, there were no more gladiators fighting in the Colosseum. The power of believing. The power of believing. When you believe, you change the world. When you believe, you change the world. Why must we believe? Why must we believe? John reminds us in John chapter 6 that Christ indeed is the bread of life. Unless we seek Christ, we have no other source of empowerment. Christ is the source of empowerment. He is the bread of life. John 8, Christ is the light of the world. I know that he shall teach me and guide me in all truth. Amen? Because Christ is the source of everything. Christ is the door that whatever he opens, no man can shut. Christ is the good shepherd. This is what John paints for us, that we may believe on this Jesus Christ, that we may believe on Christ. But unless we believe, we can never be empowered. Unless we believe, we can never be empowered. Christ is the resurrection and the life, John 11. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14. Christ is the true vine, John 15. That unless I abide in him, I can never be empowered. The entire book of John is a so you and I may believe on Jesus. So why don't we believe? Why don't we believe? I don't know why. I can never answer that question either. 
It is within the integrity of my heart and your heart that we must believe. That we must believe. For the Bible is very clear. John is very clear. That unless I believe, I can never be empowered. Unless I believe, I can never have a fulfillment in life. Unless I believe, I can never have an abundant life in my life. Unless I believe on the Son of God. Unless I believe on this Jesus Christ. It is not a matter of evidence. The availability of evidence or the absence of evidence. But it is within my heart that I decide to believe or not. And so John uses seven miracles to justify why you and I must believe that he is indeed God. And John concludes with the same words I just read for you. That God, the Christ indeed, he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. That before Abraham he was, he is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is indeed the true vine. The great seven I am's. As John paints the picture of Jesus for us in this book of John. So why must we not believe? Why must we not believe that we may be empowered to finish this work? I started off sharing with you that in every generation there is a call of God. A call that reaches out to every young person to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. And unless we believe, we can never carry out this call. Unless we believe, we can never fully impact the entire Eastern Canada. Unless we believe, we can never have a fulfillment in life. As John reminds us that whosoever believeth, then he or she has eternal life. It is not just a matter of empowerment. It is a matter also of eternal life. And that begins here. Amen? That begins here. I believe because God speaks to my heart through his word. Has God spoken to your heart through his word tonight? Has God spoken to your heart tonight? If it is so, I invite you to stand. I don't know what your condition is, the condition of your heart as you came. I don't know. But I know the condition of my heart and my body. I know I'm tired. I don't know about you. But I know also that if I believe, I'll be empowered. Amen? That if I believe, I'll be empowered. As we sing this song, look within your heart, honestly within your heart, do you believe? Ask your question, do I believe? For if I believe, I shall be empowered. Within the integrity of your heart, as Jesus looked at this nobleman and said, except you see a sign, you won't believe. Within your heart and my heart, let's look honestly and say, do I truly believe? This is the word of God. Do I truly believe that Jesus indeed is coming soon. For if I believe, my life ought to be like Telemachus. Telemachus died right on spot. There were no more gladiators fighting. His life sealed those fightings, those killings. But he died a noble cause. So you look within your heart and say, I am willing, because I believe, to die to hasten the, the coming of Christ. I am willing, even if it means that I die, because I want the coming of Christ.
Telemachus died and ended the games that have been going on for 400 years. How about you tonight? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.